know, this is a really, really, really big weekend for, for me and for our family uh, with the, the launch of the book, God of the Underdogs, the official national launch is Tuesday, September the 10th, this coming Tuesday. And so, uh, you guys, I'm just so excited. This is, I felt called to write uh, since I was 18 years old. So literally, this is a 20-year dream coming true this week with the God of the Underdogs book. And I know some of you are like, bro, what's with the glasses? Here's the deal. I'm an author now. I off things. And my wife said they look sexy. So, what up? Or, well, she said, yes, you can wear them. But I swear, I, I heard her say they made me. Anyway, I'm trying to be a little more authorish because I off things now. That's what I do. I'm an author. I'm an off. I off. So, here I off. So, anyway, no, this is such an incredible, incredible uh, celebration. Such a dream come true. And, uh, you know, uh, the heart of, of, the idea of the book of God of the Underdogs really centers around this idea of being an underdog. And I know for me, all my life, I've felt like an underdog. And um, even our church, you know, uh, moving here 11 and a half years ago from the Midwest to start next level, we had no money, we had no people, and no clue. I mean, this thing, it shouldn't have worked. I mean, there, we had $9,200, um, and that was it. We had two guys with us, two college guys with us, one of which smoked. Uh, that was our launch team. Like it just, and he's now, he's now the executive pastor. That was my guy. So, um, I'm telling you, underdog. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, even our the story, you know, of our church, uh, next level. It, we sh- we shouldn't have made it. Like this should not have worked, and yet it did. And uh, so, so that's what I mean. That's what the book is about. And it, it is, it is, it is a book that is about this idea that when you study the Bible, you discover that everyone God used in a great way was an underdog, and they had to overcome underdog excuses to live their destiny and change their world. And so while I was writing the book, I remember writing a note to myself early on in the writing process, and I just said, Matt, keep it simple. Make sure that the every man can read this book. And so that's what we tried to do. We, we tried to weave the story of nine Bible heroes that God used in a great way that were underdogs and weave our story and Sarah and I's story and Next Level story into the nine chapters of the book. And so uh, that really is, you know, that's what, that's what the book is about. So listen, if, if maybe you're an avid reader like I am, or maybe you haven't read a book in 10 years. Listen, I think you're going to like it. Like, I think that the message of the underdogs is going to, I think you're going to get it. Like, I think it'll be It'll be a, a simple and an effective read for you. So I'm just, I'm so excited about it. And then, of course, you know, our heart for the local church and helping underdog churches uh, has really motivated us. You heard the guys mention a couple minutes ago, you know, that, that this is not just something that we're doing here at Next Level, but all across, listen to this, uh, there are 411 churches representing 114,000 people who are participating in the God of the Underdog series this fall. It's, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> incredible. 46 states represented and 22, listen to this, 22 nations are on board. This thing is just, it's because, yeah, it's amazing. Go ahead. This thing has become a movement, you guys. And, and one of the things we've been encouraging the underdog churches, every, all these churches who are doing the series and, you know, got the books and, and the, all of the graphics and video, everything, we just give, gave it all to them. We just said, we just want you guys to, we just want to bless you. And one of the things we've been challenging with over the last several weeks as we've been leading up to this weekend and next weekend and the launch all over the country has been, listen, we want to see God's house full. We want to see churches filled up 
with people that God is crazy, madly, passionately in love with. And so we've been challenging churches. Come on, here's creative ideas. Here's resources you need. We want to make it easy for you to, to empower your people to go out and reach people this fall. We want to see churches full. And so next level, listen, this weekend, I want to make the same challenge to us. I believe that this, perhaps in our 11 and a half year history, could represent the greatest outreach opportunity that our church has ever been given. I believe that. What we're going to launch into next weekend is going to be such an amazing opportunity because what we discover when you study the Bible, when you study the, the, the heart of God is that he is crazy about people. We serve a God who loves us passionately and is absolutely positively crazy about us and about the lost people in our spheres of influence. And so next level this weekend, I want to challenge us to go get them. I want to challenge us to use this opportunity to go get them. What's cool is when you study Jesus' ministry, you, you, you begin to pick up on and realize that, man, Jesus was, was representing the heart of the Father, was so passionately in love with lost people that he would often, in his teachings, he would tell stories. In the Bible word, there's parables. Like he, would, he would use parables or stories to communicate the heart of the Father's love for people. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to look at one of those stories uh, this weekend in all of our service. So if you have your Bible or a smartphone with the Bible app on it, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 14? If you don't have either of those, that's totally cool. The verse will be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along with us there. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to look today because I want us to look at one of those parables or stories that Jesus told during his earthly ministry that represents, that gives us a a type, a picture of the love of the Father that he had for us. And let me kind of set the stage for us. In Luke chapter 14, uh, Jesus is having brunch one Sunday morning, as a matter of fact, with a group of religious guys, Pharisees. And so he's sitting there around the table with these religious guys, and they're talking and they're debating things. And he's kind of participating and throwing in some things and talking about some principles and some stories, whatever. And, And he's interacting and he's watching the whole time the posturing and the politicking and people, you know, jockeying for the best seats at the table and you know, trying to get in there, the whole deal. And so Jesus is watching this. And so at one point, uh, the guy next to him, a Pharisee close to him, a religious leader next to him, uh, you know, wants to try and, you know, butter up to Jesus. He wants to get on his good side. And so uh, he makes this comment while Jesus is talking, you know, about who, who, you know, should sit where and what. He's kind of telling them this whole deal. And this guy tries to butter up to him. Verse 15, look what, look what he says. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 14. When one of those at the table with him heard this, He said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Like, can't you hear like a religious, like this guy probably had glasses. Like he was like, he was that, like he was, you know, blessed is thine, thou thee. Like he, right? (laughs) Blessed is the one. And so here's what I love. This was all Jesus needed to jump off into a story. That's what he does. Verse 16, look, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So so Jesus breaks into this story to communicate the passion, the heart of the Father's love, that, that the Father, God, has created this amazing banquet feast, this love feast to show his people how much he loves them. And so he's telling this story to these religious guys sitting around the table, and he says, so this guy makes this amazing banquet. He calls his servant and says, hey, go tell all the invites, you know, the guest list, that it's ready. And so the servant goes out and tells them, verse 18, but they... All alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and 
see it. Please excuse me. The first guy says, hey, uh, you know what? I'd love to come to the banquet. It sounds great and all, but uh, you know, my family and I, we just bought a farm and so we got to get the land ready and the house is kind of in a wreck and we got to, I mean, we just started this business and we, we got we to gotta go get that off the ground. So I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come. Verse 19. Another said, <clears throat> I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. This guy said, man, you'll never believe it. I just, I just got the greatest deal on a car. I mean, this deal that I got on this car, it was huge. <laughs> I tell you, huge. It's the glasses. Still another said, I just got married. So I can't come, which time out right there. I'll, come on, fellas. Banquet feast or honeymoon, this guy gets a pass. Like in my book, I'm like, man, sounds great and all the feasts, but dude, I just got married. I got to go on my honeymoon. For me, I'm like, yeah, dude, you're fine. Go ahead. Like he gets a pass in my book, but not, I guess not in Jesus. That's okay. Isn't it amazing the excuses people come up with? That Jesus is telling the story to illustrate the, the magnitude of the Father's love. That he's created this banquet feast in his house. And he, this love feast. And he wants his people to come. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Now let me pause for a second. Because when it says that the, that the master, again, this is a picture of God, got angry. This is not like a wrathful sort of anger. Like this is not smite me, almighty smite. Like this is not that. Okay, this is, this, the anger here is, is an anger motivated of love. That God the Father was so passionate about these people. He was so passionate about being in relationship with them and letting them understand and grasp his love that it, it frustrated, it got him angry. And so look what he says to the servant. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The master representing God the Father was so passionately in love with people that he says to the servant in the story, and I believe he would say to us, his servants today as well, I'm so madly in love with people that I want you to go. Go out into the streets. Go out into the alleys and bring back the poor and the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Because I want them in my house. I want them to experience my love. And Next Level Church, listen, I believe the same challenge that that master in the story Jesus told was giving the servant is the same challenge God would give to us today as well. Because I believe in every single one of our lives, and maybe even now in our mind's eyes, I'm talking this morning, God's going to bring to mind pictures and faces of people that are in your spheres of influence, coworkers, relatives, family members, spouses or kids or, or aunts or uncles, grandparents, classmates, people on your team at work, neighbors in our, in our, our, our neighborhoods. The faces of people that God is madly in love with. And he would say to us this weekend, Next Level Church, you, go get them. I want to talk about the four types or pictures of people that Jesus mentioned in the story. The first were the, the poor. And of course, there's the, there's the resource poor in our world. As we think about poor people, there's the financially poor. And of course, God's heart breaks for the under-resourced of our world. But when I hear that word poor, I, I can't help but think of those who have been cheated by the world. 
those who have caught a bad break by the world, I can't help in my mind's eye but see a, a mom, a single mom, who before she was single again, was living under abuse, maybe emotional abuse or physical or abuse or, or a bad situation. And she did the right thing, the scary thing, and she left. But now she finds herself in this place where she's poor. And she needs a touch from God. I think about maybe the other side of that, which is, is the man who's, you know, the one, three, three cubicles down at work. Who maybe he's never said it out loud or maybe you've overheard him say before, how did my life get here? How did this happen? How, how do my kids now live two states away? How did, how did this addiction come up? On, like, how did, how, am, how is my life turned out like this? Because I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like the world has cheated me. See, that's who I think Jesus was referring to when he said the poor, those who've been cheated by the world. The second group of people Jesus mentioned then were, were the crippled. The crippled, those who have, have been broken down by the world system. And of course, there, there's, of course, there's the, the physically infirm, the physically crippled people of, of our society and culture today. But when I think about that idea of, of someone who's, who's crippled, I can't help but think of people who have who've been broken by the world system. They've been broken down. They've been beaten down. That they, and maybe you know them, students. Maybe it's it's some it's it's the kid seven lockers down. That you try and be nice to him. You try and smile at him. You try and befriend him. You try and there's just but there's something off. Like there's just something about. And maybe some of us have a neighbor like this or a co. I don't know. Like maybe and like no matter what you do, like there's something like there's. Something's not okay. And you can't put your finger on it, but that person walks with a limp. They're crippled. They've been, they've been broken down by the world system. See, that's what I think Jesus was including when he said, hey, listen, I am so madly in love with people that I want my house to be full. So bring me the poor, bring me the crippled, bring me those who've been broken down by the world. And when I think about this idea of people who have been crippled or broken, honestly, I, I think it's possible that there are some of us and some of those in our spheres of influence who have been crippled or broken down by the church. You have no idea how many times we hear stories from so many of us who call Next Level our home that we've had a bad experience in some, in previously in a, in, our, in a church world, that these are people that we would refer to as de-church, people that, that they do have something against God, that they, they are mad at the church. Like they, and maybe you know some of these, like you've invited them to try next level before, and they're like, no, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with it. You don't understand the religious school I grew up in was abusive. It was horrible. And they, like they are, they don't, they have, so they're mad at God. They've been broken, not by the world system so much as the church. I'm telling you, there are hundreds of us who call Next Level Church our home 
that this is our story. We hear it over and over and over again of people who've had a bad experience with God or with God's family, his people, his church. And yet they've come in the next level and they found relief, they found healing, they found hope, they found, they found life. And Jesus is telling the story to these religious leaders of the day and he's saying to them, listen, God is so passionately and madly in love with people that he wants his house to be full of people who are the poor and the crippled. Those who have been broken down by the world system or by the, the church system. And then he gives the third group of people and he says, go out and bring in the blind, the blind. And these, I, I think, again, of course, there's a physical state of blindness, but I would say these are people who have never had the chance to see before. The blind would represent those who've never, never even had the chance to see. Let me, let me tell you about our, our world, our culture today. Um, if you re- rewound the tape, um, 10 years or 20 years in our culture, 30, 50 years in our culture, what you would, would find is you would find that theologians or religious, you know, teachers or professors or uh, pastors, clergy, people who do what I do, uh, that they would be using a term post-Christian that we are living in a post-Christian nation. We're living in a post-Christian era. And what they meant by that was that, that we, we used to be a Christian nation. In other words, we were founded on the principles of Scripture, of the Bible, and that, that you know, we were that. But now the, kind of the world, the culture has turned away from that. And so we, we know the stories, we know the principles of the Bible, but we're choosing to turn a different way, that we are a post-Christian nation. And I think, again, if you rewound 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years in our culture, what we'd find is that we were a post-Christian nation. But here's what I believe. I believe that we are no longer living in a post-Christian nation. I believe we are now living in a day and age where we are a pre-Christian culture. That there is a generation growing up, emerging in our nation today and around the world today who doesn't even know the basic stories of the Bible, doesn't even understand the basic principles of the Bible. They're not post-Christian. It's not that they know it and they're turning away from it. They've literally never heard. They have no idea that Moses was swallowed by a whale. (laughs) If you're wondering why everyone's laughing, it's because Moses wasn't swallowed by a whale. We all know it was Noah. And if you're wondering why we're still laughing, it's because Noah was the guy with the ark. Jonah was the guy who got swallowed by a fish. Point. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, we are now living in a day and age where there are people who are spiritually blind. It's not that they have anything against God. In fact, no one's ever given them a reason to care about God. And some of us, we have neighbors, we have coworkers that they fall into this category. Then we look at them and we're like, man, they're, they're a success. They have a beautiful family, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, golden retriever, two SUVs, soccer ball sticker on the back. Like, that's, like, they, like they, they're living the dream and they are, except that underneath that polished veneer is this reality, and they, they can't even articulate it. Why? Because they're blind, because they've never seen. They have no idea, but they feel like something's missing in their life, and they don't know what it is. They're spiritually blind. They look successful on the outside, but the truth is they're pre-Christian. They've never even 
been given a chance to experience it. One of our pastors on our staff has a friend, he was telling us uh, several weeks ago, who lives in another state, but he came to visit. He was coming for the weekend. And so he said, hey, I want to go to church with you. And so this pastor on our staff was telling us that this guy is now in his 30s. And like, he is exactly what I just described. Like, he is that picture of successful, you know, beautiful family, great spouse, great job, you know, amazing. How, like, he was living the deal. But and the, the pastor on our staff told us, he said, he has never, in 30 plus years of life, never, never stepped foot in the church no, of any kind, never. And I, I said to the, the pastor on our staff, I said, you warned him, right? <laughs> he said, yeah, I warned him. And here's the point. Every one of us can think of people in our world, in our sphere of influence, who are blind, who've, who've never had a chance to see And God would say to his servants, us, this weekend, listen, go get them. Go get them. I want them to experience the love that I have for them like we have. We must go get them. And the fourth group of people that Jesus makes mention of, gives us a picture of in the stories, the poor and the crippled, the blind, and the fourth category is the lame. The lame. And see, I think that Jesus was giving us a picture in this parable, this story of a group of people who need a physical touch. They need a touch from Jesus. Maybe you know someone like that, someone who has suffered sickness. They've, they've come down, they've contracted some kind of a, of a sickness or illness, a disease. Maybe, maybe it's not them, but it's a family member. And we all, we can think of people that, that have spent the last several years of their life taking care of a, of a dying loved one, of a sick loved one. Or maybe it's someone who's, who's suffered from depression. Maybe it's someone who's, who's, who's come, you know, suffering from an addiction and, and they're in recovery. They're in AA. They're trying to break free. Maybe it's someone who, who has lost a loved one and find themselves in a category they don't want to be in which is widow or widower and now all of a sudden they're trying to figure out life they're lame they're trying to figure it out or maybe it's someone who's had somebody commit suicide in their family and they're living with the overwhelming guilt and grief and even shame on some level of of what that can look like jesus would say these are the lame among you and i love them and i'm passionate about them and i've created this amazing love feast this amazing banquet and i want you my servants to go get them that my house might be full. Go get them and bring them in that they might be able to experience the love of God like we have. So Jesus is telling this story and he continues on, verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes. Like, go to Buckingham. (laughs) It's not in there. I added that. (laughs) Go out to the, the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Why? So that my house might be full. 
Jesus is telling this story, this parable, this picture of the Father's love. And he says, listen, do whatever you have to do to compel the lost of our city, to compel the lost of the country roads and the lanes and wherever they're at. Go get them. Go get the poor and the crippled. Go get the blind and the lame. Why? Because I love them and I want them to experience that kind of love. And so Next Level Church, listen, this is my challenge to every single one of us. In all of our services this weekend, it's this. Listen, as we begin our God of the Underdog series next weekend, I'm just telling you, let's go get them. Even if you've invited them before, even if they told you in the past, I, have, well, I don't want nothing to do with that church thing. No, I'm not interested in that. If I step foot in the church, lightning would strike. Let's take a chance. Lightning's striking all over anyway. <laughs> come on, next level. Let's compel them to come in. So let me, let me tell you where we're going. This is going to be a six-week series starting next weekend. And in week one, next weekend, we're going to be talking through, working our way through different aspects of the book and taking different camera angles on stuff. And so week one is, is all about uh, David and this idea, that, you know, that we have permission to believe that it's us that God wants to use to change the world. And so next weekend, I'm telling you, bring, bring them, bring them, bring the poor, bring the crippled, bring the blind, bring the lame, bring them with you. Do whatever you got to do. Why? Because next weekend is going to be such an inspirational, positive message of God wants to use you. The second weekend, we're talking about the love of the Father. We're talking about being loved and being a part of the family of God. And we're going to talk through one of the most powerful uh, stories in all of Scripture that, for me, continues to this, to this day to be one of the most powerful messages uh, that, that I love to teach. And I, it, when I was writing chapter 6 of the book about this, it was, it was, I, there were so many times where I just stopped and just was crying because of the love of the Father. That's what we're talking about in week 2. In week 3, my friend Herbert Cooper, it's going to be with us in all of our services all weekend long. Herbert pastors the People's Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and he is an underdog. And I cannot wait for you to meet him and his wife and for you guys to be able to hear his underdog story. Unbelievable, unbelievable story. Unbelievable motivator. Great guy. Can't wait for you to meet Herb. Week four, we're going to be talking about how we leverage our lives as underdogs for the least of these and the responsibility we have and the privilege we've been given to leverage our lives for the least of these, for the hurting and the broken, for the forgotten, not just of our city or of our region, of our state, but of our world. In week five, we're going to talk about the Jacob chapter, chapter three, and how, how every one of us wear labels in our life. And the labels we wear shape who we become and how we serve a God, a God of the underdogs, who loves to remove those old labels off of our life and put new labels on our life. That's what we're going to talk about in week five. And then in week six, we're going to talk about Esther. And how when the chances are slim, when, when the odds are against us, we serve a God who is for us. You guys, I, I want you to know, you guys, are, you guys are next levelites. You're insiders. Like, you're, that's, like okay, there's Amorites, Jebusites, next levelites. That's us, okay? That's <laughs> who we are. We're that tribe. Listen, next level, I'm just telling you, come on. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. The books are $5. The publisher gave us 70% off of retail. And you heard the guys mention it a few minutes ago. Listen, uh, listen, don't buy one. Buy at least four. We bundled them in four packs. Listen, buy, li 
Keep one for yourself and then go get them. Go, go use the other three. Go use more of them. As the, I'm telling you, make, give them, walk up to that person in your office and say, hey, you know what? My pastor wrote a book and I just want to give it to you. I just want to add value to you. I just think it'll bless you. And here, it's inspirational. It's funny. It's our story. Of our church. Like, I think you'll really, really like this. Oh, and by the way, Next weekend, we're starting a series, and I would love for you and your family to come and be guests with me uh, to our church, and I'll take you, you know, we'll take you to, to lunch or dinner afterwards or whatever. We'll t- you know, I'll mow your yard. I'll babysit your kid. I'll walk your dog and wear the little glove on my hand. That's disgusting. <laughs> I do what I compel them. Why? Because Jesus said the Father's heart breaks for the lost. It breaks for the de-church, for the unchurch, for those who are far from him. Go get them. Leverage the tool. Leverage the book. Because Jesus would say, I want my house to be full. And I don't know if you've noticed this. And you guys are here at 1045, which is our most packed out service all weekend of the five we do. But we've grown a lot through the summer. Like like right now, there are people watching in overflow and it's packed out there. Good to see you. Thank you. Listen, here, here's the deal. 1045, you've heard us say, you know, all summer, hey, move to 1230, do, you know, go to, if you could come to the Thursday night at 11 p.m. service, that'd really help. It's like, we, like, we get it. <laughs> listen, can I, okay, 1045, listen, let me talk to you, okay, and I, and I get it, but listen, if you're a next level church person, if there is any other way, you can come at 9 o'clock or 1230, 9 o'clock, we have the most seats in right now. If you can come at 9 o'clock or 12.30 next weekend and through this, okay, we're preparing for overflow. We're doing some upgrades to the foyer because we know at 10.45 through the, like it's going to be, it's going to be nutty like the professor around it. Like we get it. And 10.45, listen, I just, I, I wanted to be here this weekend with all of you in person because I want to, I want to challenge you. Listen, it's going to be crazy. But I, I, th- I think maybe that's what, Jesus won. I think we serve a God who's so in love with people that maybe, just maybe, that's exactly what he intends. We're going to do what we can do. We want to position you to do what you can do. So Next Level Church, if you'll help us, go get them. Go get them. And one more thing as your pastor, let me just um, encourage us. You heard the guys mention that Monday, the book premieres on Tuesday nationally. So Monday, the day before, we have, we have planned this to be a national underdogs day of prayer and fasting. And so listen, people all across the country are going to be fasting and praying. And so um, I, what, if you can join us in any way, shape, or form uh, by praying, uh, again, here at 12 o'clock or, or wherever you're at, doesn't matter, like go, get in your car, leave your office, go sit in your car and pray or walk a parking lot or do whatever you got to, like hold yourself up somewhere to pray. And here's what we're going to pray about. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for the tens of thousands of people who are going to get a book in their hand or on their device in the coming days and months. And the walls are going to come down and their hearts are going to be opened. And they're going to see that we serve a loving God who wants to use them and has an incredible plan for them. So we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of visitors who are going to be showing up at this place next weekend. And we're going to be praying on Monday for the tens of thousands, think of it next level, of first-time visitors that are going to be showing up to underdog churches all across our nation and in other nations of the world. 
as well. So if you would be praying with us through the day tomorrow, that would be incredible because we believe God has trusted us with a message, a message of inspiration, a message of hope, a message for people just like us who are underdogs. And we believe that message has the power to change so many lives. So before we conclude uh, this portion of our service and move on to our remainder of our time together, would you take out those invitation cards that were in your bulletin when you came in? Because each invitation card represents a conversation. And each conversation represents a heart and a life that God cares about like crazy. So, Father, right now, we hold these invitation cards in our hands. And we thank you. God, we thank you that you have trusted us with this underdog message. God, thank you that you have have trusted us with the opportunity to speak life and hope into those in our sphere of influence this week. And so, God, I pray for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations that are going to happen this week all across Southwest Florida and the tens of thousands of conversations that are happening all across our nation and our world. And Jesus, we pray that walls would come down, that hearts would be open. And God, we thank you that you have have gone in advance to arrange circumstances in the lives of so many in our spheres of influence, the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame, that when we get there and invite them to church and give them a book or give them a card, that they're going to be favorable to that. Father, thank you for the life change that's going to take place in coming days. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone, in every service, in every environment who agreed said, Amen.